that. Yes. And okay. I'm so sorry, as I said, are we okay with recording? Are we recording this one? Fine. Yes. Okay. And you're Nicole L. I am Nicole. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. Okay. So um, for those of you who weren't here at the beginning, I am Nicole L. I am a compulsive overeater, uh, bulimic. I live in New York and I am very grateful to be here today. I thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of my history, uh, where I am now and how long and how the program has helped me. So I've been in program. Uh, actually, it's very uh, interesting that today is actually my 20 month anniversary uh, of being in OA. Uh, so the 11th is an important day for me. Um, where I was, I have been a compulsive overeater for as long as I can possibly remember. Uh, my story is not unique. I'm sure you've heard it in this room dozens of times. Um, I was always the kid who was looking for food. Um, I had uh, a mother who was obsessed with weight. I had a grandmother who was obsessed with weight. So, um, you know, it was taught to me very early on that if you were thin, you were good. And if you were uh, overweight, you were bad. And we, they were going to do everything they possibly could to uh, make sure that I was uh, good. Um, I had a sister or I have a sister who was always um, very thin. So we were sort of uh, pitted against each other from a very early age. Uh, she would be offered treats I wasn't allowed to have. She was allowed to do things I wasn't allowed to do because I was the heavy one. And it was, again, taught to me very early on that she was better in my eyes. She was better in my mother's eyes because she was thin. And it was a very difficult uh, relationship at the time. Um, I spent my childhood being overweight. I spent my childhood doing all of the things that compulsive overeaters do as children, stealing food, sneaking food, um, having friends, because maybe they weren't the nicest to me, but when I would go over to their houses, they had treats that I wasn't allowed to have at my house. Um, you know, uh, all of those things, you know, stealing money to go buy food from my mom, you know, all, all of the things that, again, I've, I've heard in these rooms from other people who've suffered from those things as child, as children. I had a very difficult time making friends as a child. Um, and, you know, the weight didn't help. I was bullied. I was, you know, picked on all of the, all of those things as well. I struggled um, through my teens when I was probably about 10, I would say my mother sent me to a um, weight loss camp in the summer. Um, and I lost uh, probably about 40 pounds in that summer, which was, um, life-changing at the time, because then all of a sudden I came home and there was so much praise and so much acceptance. And, and of course, who doesn't want that from their parent? So um, then it became keeping it off. And uh, I probably would gain a little more weight during the winter. And then they would send me back to camp in the summer. And that sort of became this sort of yo-yo for a couple of years until I was about 14. And came home and realized that um, I needed to stay thin. And so 
that's when the bulimia really started. That's when the obsess obsession with being thin started. I was also at that point now a teenager and I wanted to be popular and I wanted to have boyfriends. And my sister was two years older than me and of course thin and had boyfriends. And so, you know, I wanted the whole thing. Um, but it was tough because I had to really work at it. And it just became a very unhealthy obsession, which was not helped by the fact that my sister was, you know, I would be working out to, I don't know how, I'm sure there's some people in the meeting who are old enough like me who can remember Jane Fonda's videos when they came out. So I would be like on the living room floor doing my Jane Fonda video. And my sister would be sitting on the sofa eating a pint of ice cream and watching me. And it was just tough. It was just really, really tough. Um, this obsession with weight and body image and you know, eating and not eat, eating and restricting and bulimia went on all through my twenties. Um, when I was never thin enough, I was never good enough. Went on through my, uh, early, um, married life. And I had a daughter and she was about four when I started to realize that I was, repeating these patterns. Um, my daughter was overweight as a baby. You know, she was always pretty, a pretty healthy weight. She was always hungry. She always wanted food. And I wasn't in a place where I mentally understood what to do. I, all I wanted to do was not repeat those patterns. And I was adamant that I was not going to do what my mom did to me. And in that did exactly what my mom did to me. Um, so, it, but at that point I started going to therapy and worked really hard with therapy to try and, you know, break that cycle. Um, but it wasn't until, I mean, this, I didn't really deal with my, my issue, even with therapy, I never really dealt with my compulsive overeating. I stopped my bulimia, which was great, but I just kept this cycle of, of, of obsession never ended. And in 2007, my father passed away. I had like a series of things that happened. Life, life, life happened, but I wasn't able to deal with life. So it was very interesting to me that as these things happened, my dad passed away. I got divorced. Um, my, my business building burned down. We had Hurricane Sandy. It was like all these things, like one thing after another. And every time something happened, I gained another 15 pounds because I would just eat through this stress of dealing with life. And now I'll just quickly fast forward to 2020, you know, which is a pretty big jump in time, but that's okay. It was all the same kind of stuff going on at the time. 2020, I'm in, a, I'm in therapy with a new therapist and I'm talking about my life and up until that point, I had never, I had talked to my therapists over time about everything and I had never admitted my eating disorder. I had never <clears throat> admitted, truly admitted what this obsession was doing to me. And one day, I don't even know what happened. I can only blame it on my higher power. I just started talking about this, eat this obsession with food, this obsession in my mind and the floodgates opened. And I started to explain that every morning I would wake up and say, today is the day that I control my eating. I won't binge on sweets, 
I won't binge period. I'm going to, I'm going to be good. I'm going to do all the things. And then every single night I would feel defeated because of course I had binged during the day and I would say, okay, today I'm going to let that one go tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day that I am going to, and it would just go on and on and on because I was so in my self-will. I was, I thought I could do this. So I, I end up admitting this to a therapist after years of being in therapy, which I never mentioned it before. And I said, and I'll never forget it. I said, I don't care if I ever lose another pound. Now reminded, all I wanted to do was lose weight. All I wanted to do was be thin. And I finally said it out loud. I don't care if I ever lose another pound. I can't live in this brain one more day. I cannot live with this constant cycle of obsession one more day. And my therapist said, have you ever heard of OA? And I said, no. And he said, well, I am in a 12-step program. I have been in a 12-step program my whole life or or for many years, he said, but there is a 12-step program called OA. Now, it's very interesting how higher power works. My best friend, uh, had just become sober about nine months before I had this conversation in another program. And so I had been sort of living it with him about how, you know, his, his addiction and how he was recovering. And so for my therapist to recommend OA, I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a shot because I see how this other program is helping my friend. So this was obviously during the pandemic, Zoom meetings, which actually was probably what saved me because I wouldn't have gone to an in-person meeting, but I was able to go online. And I spent about a month creeping around the room. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't turn my camera on. I would just listen. I was going at 5 a.m. in the morning because I didn't want my husband at the time to know that I was on a meeting. I didn't want to explain anything. I didn't want to admit it to him. I didn't want to admit it to myself. So I would just sort of uh, listen. And then finally I started to participate. I found a meeting, uh, which is a 5 PM Eastern time women's meeting. It's only women meets every day. 10 minutes remaining. Thank you so much. And I started to go to that meeting and that then I started participating. Then I started going to, there's a New York 7.15 a.m. meeting every day as well. So that way, I if I couldn't make a five, I could make the 7.15. I couldn't make the 7.15, I could make the five. And I committed to, to a program. And it changed my life. And I I know that sounds so flip. And, and we all you know who are in program know that it's going to change our lives or we felt that change. But I really... It changed my life. I I realized that this was a disease and that I had an obsession of the mind. I realized, and it took me a while. And the one thing I wanna say, it's been 20 months. So take that or leave that. Some of people have been in 20, 40 years. This has been my 20 months. But my 20 months has been realizing that my program is not perfect. And there are, there are plenty of people who work a, a, what they, what I would consider to be a perfect program, perfect abstinence, perfect steps, all these things. That's not my program. Uh, 
But it took me a while to realize that that was okay for me because I'm still here. I still come back. I still work my steps. I'm still abstinent. I'm doing something right. But there are days that are harder than others. There's days when my food is sloppier than others. There are days when I don't reach out and talk to people. I don't, you know, there are days that I don't do my morning routine and I feel it, but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, okay, well now it's all blown up. And, you know, cause that, that for me, and I'm only speaking for myself, that would put me out of her. I would leave and I wouldn't come back because I was a perfectionist. And I went through the first probably two months of my program thinking, well, if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm just going to go. And I had to, I had to want it so badly that I was going to be, allow myself to do it imperfectly. And I did. And I don't know exactly what the shift was, wasn't me. It was definitely a higher power. I couldn't go a day without binging. I could not go a day. I just told you I would wake up to sleep. But the day that I committed, I haven't, I haven't had a day like that again. And I think it was because I promised myself I would just be honest rigorous honesty it's part of our program and it was the one aspect that kept me going still keeps me going and I'll tell you so I had I found a sponsor and I would have to send her my food every day which I hated by the way I hated that I was like I can't share my food with somebody they're going to judge me they're going to think I'm not eating enough vegetables they're going to think I'm eating too many starches like you know it's going to be this whole thing and there were days this is not a joke not even exaggerating I would send her my food right and I'd write it out on my phone And then I'd erase it and I'd write it again and I'd erase it. And I write sometimes five, six times because I wasn't being honest. I would omit things that I didn't want her to know. I would omit like portions I didn't want her to know. I would say, well, she's going to judge me if I say French fry. So I'm just going to say potato. I mean, it was crazy because I have a crazy disease and I thank God I made myself be honest. I forced myself and there were days when I was crying, sending her my food because I thought this is the day she's going to write me back and tell me that I'm a terrible person and that I'm not working a good program and blah, 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 blah. Never happened by the way, because there was no judgment, but the act of being accountable and being honest, not so I thought I was a superly honest person. I would, I valued and prided myself on being an honest person. You know who I wasn't being honest with? Me. I wasn't being honest with me. So this day that I swore I would just stay honest, everything changed for me. So I know I'm sort of getting toward the end. I do want to say a couple of things. One thing I want to say is that I thought for the longest time, I thought, that a spiritual program, this, uh, you know, handing over my will to my higher power, who I call God, would be this thing that would happen. I've heard it on the meetings. I was struck abstinent and all of a sudden the, the, you know, the skies parted and I never wanted, I had food neutrality. I've, I've heard this before and I am so happy for those people who have that. I don't have that. My spirituality has been an ongoing day-to-day process. 
And for the longest time, I thought I must not be doing this right because I don't have that aha moment. I've had these little moments and I have to remind myself, it's about moving the needle every day, a little bit more, praying a little bit longer, meditating more days than not, trusting. And I have to trust, listen, I'll tell you a quick story. So last two weeks ago, I had some things happen in my life that were so divine that were truly things I had man, things I had just prayed and let go of and let my higher power do. And they came back to me beyond my wildest dreams. Like I was literally almost afraid about how powerful these things were. And I remember talking to my sponsor and I said, this is it. This is exactly what we've been talking about. I let it go and it came back to me. And now I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I feel the my higher power in my life. And this is incredible. And oh my gosh, I'm here. And two days later, I'm feeling afraid again. And I'm feeling flustered. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, I wasn't there. There is no there. It's constant. It Every day is going to be a little bit different but I still trust. I still turn my will over every day. And then two hours later, I'll turn it over again, because in that two hours, I forgot that I turned my will over and I'll try to take it back. And then I'll give it over again. And then I'll try to take it back. And, you know, I, I had to come to terms with the fact that that's going to be my program. It's not going to be, I turn it over once it's over. I'm done. We're great. We're moving on. It doesn't happen for me like that. So I say that because I think there are people out there like me who felt like, well, if I don't feel this, then I must not be doing it right. If you're here in this meeting, you're freaking doing it right. You're here. You're here. You're with us. We're with you. You're here. And you know what? What do they say? The only requirement is to be willing. And if you're here, you're willing. That, that's the bottom line on that. You know, don't leave before the miracle <clears throat> happens. You hear it all the time. And I would go, okay, great. And yeah, the miracle happened. You know what? I'm still waiting for part of my miracle, but I've had miracles along the way. I've seen the ninth step promises in ways, you know, and I'm so grateful for them. This program has changed who I am in the world. I'm so much nicer than I was. I'm so much kinder to people. I'm so much kinder to myself, which is really crazy. I've stopped trying to control my kids. Now my kids are now 25 and 23. Um, so now they're at that point where I'm like really trying to trying to stop control them because they're not babies anymore. Um, and listen, I don't like it every day. Like I think my kids are making some pretty horrible choices sometimes, but they're not mine to judge. You know, I can guide them as their mom, but I'm not, I have to let it go. They have their own higher power. And that took me a long time to realize too. Like I can't be their higher power you know, um, and I can't let anybody else be my higher power. And so, you know, I've had some difficult transitions with this program. I'm, I got divorced during this program because I realized that I was in a, an abusive relationship because I thought I deserved it. I thought I, I was supposed to be there. This pat, this program gave me the courage to get out of it. Um, it's been very powerful in ways that I never, ever expected. And I've lost 30 pounds and you know what, who cares? Because I still probably have another 30 to go, but I am, a, I am not living in that head every day. That, that day, that, that head that I, that brain that I said I couldn't live in one more day, I don't live in it anymore. And if I stay this weight for the rest of my life, then that's the way it's supposed to be. But I am sane. I one am sane. minute remaining. 
Thank you so much. I am going to wrap up here. Um, again, you know, don't let anybody else define your program and don't try to turn your program into somebody else's program. What do they say? Keep your eyes on your own plate. Um, every, you, ask, your, ask your higher power about your program. Sit and reflect and be quiet and ask your higher power to show you your program because it's going to be totally different than anybody else's. My program is not Jill's program. Jill's program is not Stacy's program. Stacy's program is not Lance's program. It, you have to live your own program. I, again, appreciate so much you having me here today. Uh, thank you, and I will pass. <laughs>